Welcome to the Aerospace Business and Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Faust. And today we'll continue along the journey of this four-step process to achieving breakthrough MRO performance. If you haven't listened to episode one, I recommend you go back and do that before listening to this episode. And the reason for that is we're building on a four-step process that walks you through how to achieve breakthrough performance in any maintenance, repair, and overhaul organization. So it's important to go back and get that first step, which is metrics, and the two metrics that the focus should be squarely on, and that will give you a good foundation to roll into step two here. So moving on into step two of this process is creating a simple system of daily accountability. So what does that mean? So when you think about an MRO specifically, and this could apply to an OEM or another manufacturing aerospace organization as well, but specifically an MRO and some of the complexities that happen within an MRO environment, you need to have a system of accountability that is so basic and simple that a fifth grader can absolutely understand it and make sense of it. So what might this look like? So when you think about a typical MRO structure, most likely you're thinking of a cellular work environment where an MRO has a a set of cells that complete work based on part number, product commodity, such as, is it a starter? Is it a, is a certain part number of a internal wheel? Is it um, a valve, for example? Could it be an actuator? Things like that would make up a typical cell, uh, cell structure. So you might have an electromechanical cell, You might have a valve cell. You might have cells that are based on different types of valves, multiple cells. You could have cells that are compartmentalized by commercial or defense work. So it just really depends on the structure of your MRO. So regardless of that, the need for an accountability system is universal, I would say. So first, if you have any type of accountability structure in place in your shop or on the work floor, I applaud you. Fantastic work. So that's the beginning of how you get your arms around an effective work environment and how you create value where the work happens on the shop floor. So regardless of how effective it is today or not, the, the, the mere fact that you have one and that you are working towards either implementing one or making one better, that puts you in a unique class of, uh, of leaders out there or professionals out there who understand the value and the need to do that. If you don't have one or you have one and you would like to think of a way to make it more effective, here are some recommendations I have to do that. So within a shop floor environment, so if you have this cellular structure, which is most typical out there, you want to have a communication board in each one of your cells. So if you have four cells, you want to have four communication boards. So for example, a four foot by six foot magnetic whiteboard that you can customize that you can shift things around, move papers around, and make it very customizable for your needs. Because you don't want to send yourself down a path of, this is the way it's got to be done. We're stuck. We've created some permanence here to this communication and accountability process, and it's not nimble. So you want to create a process and a communication board that can adapt to changing times, that can adapt to how the business shifts over time, 
and how customers might change, how the mix of work could possibly change and will likely change the volumes go up and down and how you talk about that and how you communicate that within your team will definitely change over the days, weeks, months uh, ahead. So just make sure that you create this process that is very customizable and easy to change and something, again, that a fifth grader could make heads or tails of. So if you go into it thinking that we're going to create this structure that fits that mindset, that really gears itself towards simplicity, you're going to be well ahead of the game here. On this four by six board, uh, when you get it set up, just a little bit about what you do with it. So what goes on this four foot by six foot board? Where is it at? Where do you put the thing? And how do you create a, a cadence and a rhythm around it that sticks, that begins to produce meaningful accountability where everyone is buying into the process and the work so they can make a contribution every day to the effort? So on this board, you want to have a few things. It could be some of these things, all of these things, some things different. But let me give you some, some basic ideas here. So in many cases, the first thing you want to talk about on a communication board and an accountability board is safety. And that's very critical. So when you think of our employees and the work they do for our business, we want to make sure when they come to work with 10 fingers and 10 toes, that they go home with 10 fingers and 10 toes. So having a safety element of the board, think of that on the far left side of this four foot by six foot magnetic whiteboard, something around safety. That could be a safety cross, and a safety cross is simply a, a cross that has 31 squares on it that looks like a safety cross. You can Google that under safety cross, look at the images, you can see examples of that. And what that does is it allows you to go through each day, color that in when you did not have any safety incidents or safety concerns. And what that does, it keeps that at, at top of mind in front of people. Not that that's going to change the world by having a safety cross that's colored in every day, but what that's going to do is it's going to cause folks to have that instantaneous and subconscious thought about safety. And that's the first thing you want to think about. You want your folks to be safe and you want them to know that safety is important to you as a leader or professional in this type of environment, because there's a lot of moving pieces and parts. And we want to make sure that that people uh, are always on a heightened, you know, have this heightened sense of awareness around the safety hazards around them. So on this board, you'll have a safety cross, for example, or something similar. And you can also have what I think of as a daily safety message. And what that could be, it could be a basic, simple message of the day that says, hey, guys, hey, ladies, we have a machine guarding here that you need to be paying attention to. We have cutting machines, we have grinders, we have turning equipment that, you know, when in operation, it creates a risk. And we have machine guarding that is designed to remove or substantially reduce that risk. And we want you to be aware of that. So the message could say something like, hey, folks, check your machines today. Be on the lookout. Make sure your machine guarding is in place. Make sure it is serviceable. Make sure it's operating as it should. And if it's not, make sure you bring that up uh, raise that up to the attention of, of your leadership, your supervisor, your plant director, your general manager, so they can be corrected immediately because that is the most important thing that we do and we have a responsibility for is making sure our employees stay safe. So number one, I would include a safety element on this four by six magnetic whiteboard. 
Secondly, I would include a section just to the right of the safety element called delivery performance. And as we talked about in the first episode, the two metrics predominantly that we want to be driving right now are backlog, overall backlog, and past dues. And we want to reduce these to the greatest extent possible. So if that's the trigger we are using to drive breakthrough performance, we want to make sure we're highlighting that on this communication and accountability board. On this board, we're going to have open order backlog, and we're going to have past dues. And we're going to look at that in terms of This cell that this board covers, that this is discussing, has X pieces of WIP work in process or work orders, however your business tracks it, in our cell. So if it's a starter cell, a pneumatic starter cell, for example, and you have 54 starters in your backlog, you're going to recognize those 54 uh, on there and you're going to say, hey, we have 54 in our backlog and we have a goal today to get five done. And we're going to track ourselves against that goal and we're going to be accountable. And we're going to measure ourselves against that to see and to ensure that we're making progress. Simple, simple accountability. Next, we'll track the past dues. Same thing. Of the open order backlog, it's a subset of orders that are past due. These are real headaches for our customers. Our customers have contracted with us to complete their work within a certain period of time, typically 30 days, for example, that's that's very typical out there today. So if they say, hey, I need this in 30 days and we're sitting on day 42, it should be on our past due list. And that past due list needs to be on this accountability board. And we need to be measuring ourselves against eliminating, crushing, killing every one of those past due orders because that has a substantial impact on our relationship with the customer. So you want to track that. So the next thing we definitely want to track is quality. So just to the right of delivery performance on the board, starting at the top, is going to be a quality section. Let's call it quality performance. Quality, it's, it's, it's interesting when you think of quality. I think of quality in terms of safety. Safety for us and the way we talk about it most typically is the safety of our employees. What I want you to do around quality is think of quality as safety to our customers. Because when we deliver a product to them, if it's not the highest level of quality, it doesn't meet fit form or function, it doesn't meet every test parameter and specification that's called out for, then that's putting the customer and their operation at a higher risk of failure. And depending on the part, it could be a big deal or not. It could be something that is a part of a redundant system. It could be something that is very insignificant in the operation of an aircraft could be a flight related component and have an impact to the flight characteristics of that aircraft. And that puts the customer at a much higher risk of failure, depending on if that product fails or if that part fails, it could put in jeopardy the safety of the, of the pilots and the crew and as well as any of the passengers, if it's a commercial aircraft, just depending on the situation. So I would suggest, highly suggest, and this is what I do in my shop and how I manage this specifically, and it has always worked well. I would highly recommend that you refer to quality as customer safety. You don't want to call it that in a title. You want to say, hey, this is our quality section on this board, on our accountability board. But I want everyone here in this cell and all of our employees to think of it as customer safety. Because that puts a little tweak 
a little mindset shift on what that really means to an employee because they know that safety is held in the utmost regard by the company, or at least it should be. And every employee should have an ability to raise their hand and say, hey, I have a safety issue. Hey, I have a safety hazard that I need to mitigate here. They should be very, very comfortable in doing that and get everyone's attention. The same level of significance needs to be paid to quality from a customer safety perspective. So just just a little nuance there, a little play on words, but it's a, it's a really meaningful way to walk and parse through quality, especially if your facility or business is experiencing quality defects and escapes. So on this quality piece, I want you to track, I'd like you to track internal and external escapes. And that could look like two different things. That could look like the number of escapes, both internally and externally, and as in quantity, and or it could look like parts per million. And if it's a parts per million measure, make sure you're tracking that against the goal for the parts per million, because that's going to say a lot about how you uh, are performing organizationally, as well as how you're performing across the industry. So when you think of parts per million, it's simply calculated as the number of escapes or defective product divided by the number of shipments in that same data set multiplied by a million. And what that does is it gives you a normalized number to compare yourself against the industry. So that normalizes the number across all organizations and all all companies. So you can say, hey, we're performing better than or worse than company X. And it's all relative. It's relative to the goal. It's relative to how the company views quality in the bigger picture. So I can tell you customers are paying for quality. They're paying for velocity and they're paying for quality. They cannot afford to have product that is defective. It's a very important metric. It's a very important aspect of accountability that should be communicated across the team very intentionally and very specifically in regards to the targets that you're striving for. So again, track quality in terms of internal escapes, defects that occur within your system before they are shipped to the customer. If we complete 100 starters in-house this month and we had to send 10 of those through rework because they did not achieve the internal quality requirements that we had, the specifications, you have 10 internal escapes against 100 opportunities. So that would be 10 escapes divided by 100 shipments or opportunities multiplied by a million. And that math works out to an internal PPM of 100,000, 100,000. Again, it's all a relative term here, but other than zero, which means zero quality defects, a good industry average quality to think of is under a thousand PPM. If you can't be perfect, a thousand is certainly good. So if you have a hundred opportunities in-house, you cannot make 10 defects. You just don't have the ability to produce 10 defects on a hundred shipments. The math just doesn't work. And what that tells you is you have a big quality issue inside of your business that you got to get your hands around. So again, that normalizes the number, normalizes the parts per million or PPM, and it describes and points you towards a problem that needs to be resolved. So it's important to have that accountability structure. It's important to show that on the accountability board. Same with external escapes. It's the same measurement, defects divided by shipments multiplied by a million. And you should have far fewer external escapes. And those are escapes that actually leave your facility, your business, and make their way 
and are received by the customer. So that has left the safety net of your business and you have certified that product. Those are much more critical than the internal escapes. And they should always be lower because you're going to have fewer externals and internals because you're tracking your internals very rigorously. So just think about that and and what that means and how to track those on your quality section of your accountability board. So I recommend internal escapes against a target, external escapes against a target. Set your target aggressively. It's okay if you don't hit that target. Most importantly is when you don't hit that target, you know that everybody in the team knows that. And you're taking an action and documenting that action and making sure that you're showing the improvement because you can't fix it if you don't already know about it. So don't sugarcoat it. Don't pretend it's better than it is. Show the ugly truth and then do something about it intentionally to make it better. Next thing on the board I would include next to quality to the right is productivity. So productivity is is an interesting topic and it means different things to different people. Well, what it means to me is in an MRO environment specifically, in the starter example specifically, if it takes 100 hours of direct labor, clocked direct labor time, 100 hours to complete a starter, start to finish from the time it enters work to the time it's fully certified out the back end, 100 touch hours on it, a productivity measure for that, if it's a starter cell, is to put in a productivity goal, an hours reduction goal. So if it takes 100 hours on average, you want to think in terms of, okay, do I want a 5%, 10%, 15%, 20% reduction target? And how do I challenge my team? How do I keep complacency from entering into these discussions and constantly challenging the team to improve? Now, you got to be careful here because you don't want to put a target out there that is so grandiose and so large that people just unplug, disconnect and say, you know what, we're never going to get there. So why bother even trying? So you got to really watch that and find that tipping point and find that that proper spot that you can put a target that's going to motivate the team, but not cause them to unplug or disconnect. So I would recommend initially a 10%. So if you have 100 hours on a starter, direct touch labor, I would put a target of 10% or 10 hours. And what that'll look like is, hey, we have an average of 100 hours. And we're going to reduce that by 10 hours. That means our new target for this cell is 90 hours to complete these starters. And you're going to hear folks say, well, well that, I, we can't do that. Uh, that's, that's impossible. But you, just, you have to put that into perspective. And you have to say things like, we haven't tried that yet. So let's give it a shot, folks. Let's give it everything we got. And that's going to cause us to get more productive. And when we're operating at 90 hours, you can then look to how do we continue to take waste and time out of these processes and get our productivity down? Because when you get your productivity down, number one, you're going to make the boss really, really happy. And that's going to cause a lot of good things to happen throughout the organization. You're going to have a lot more independence. You're going to have a lot of belief and confidence in you and your team. And you're going to be able to operate much more freely and independently and do the things that you deem important as opposed to what everyone else in the organization says is important. So if you want clarity, freedom, and room to breathe, demonstrate productivity and show that you're improving. And when you do that, not only do you get all of those things that I just mentioned, you get real cost savings and you get the ability to increase the number of units shipped because you're doing the work in fewer hours and you could produce more units. And when you produce the additional units, 
you're going to see an increase in revenue, an increase in bottom line dollars. And that's going to cause the business to be much healthier over the long run. And you're going to be able to withstand the variation a little bit better. So from a productivity standpoint, that's exactly what I would do. I would target, keep it simple. I would target a direct hour reduction goal, base it on the product set or the commodity that's in the cell that you're covering, challenge your folks, and then incentivize them. Don't say, hey, we want you to do this and we want you to reduce 10 hours over the next three months or six months or 12 months and not show a little bit of appreciation back. You got to stay engaged with these folks and folks on the shop floor specifically, they will run through a wall for you if they see the value in what they're doing and they feel appreciated along the way. It's not always give me more money. Sometimes it's show me a little appreciation. Give me a pizza lunch. Hey, when we hit five hours of that 10-hour goal, let's get some t-shirts in this team. Let's show some pride. Let's uh, toot our horn a little bit. And when you do that, you're, you're bringing a lot of goodness to the team. You're bringing a lot of camaraderie. You're bringing a lot of pride and energy and motivation. And the team's going to absolutely thrive on that and run through a brick wall for you and the company every single day. And that will complete a basic shop floor, work cell, accountability board, communication board structure. Safety, delivery, quality, and productivity. Safety, we talked about message of the day, maybe a safety cross. Delivery performance, at minimum include the metrics of open order backlog and past due. Quality include at minimum internal escapes, external escapes, track it by volume and by parts per million to get your team acquainted and adjusted to these industry standard metrics that they can gauge themselves against other companies. And then finally, productivity with the direct hour piece and showing improvement over a period of time on a product or a commodity. Have measurable targets to improve on each one of these. Don't put up, hey, this is how we're doing. Have a nice day. Put up, this is how we're doing. This is where we want to operate. Here's the gap from that. And here are the things that need to happen to make it better. So be very clear on objective, the target or goal that you're going for, and the gap that's currently there, as well as what the plan forward is. And gather the team around this. So every day at the beginning of each shift, if you have one shift, two shifts, or three shifts, at the beginning of every shift, Every single employee within that work cell needs to come in and come around this accountability board and connect with this message. Someone ideally from the work cell itself, whether that's a lead, a mechanic or technician who is looked at as a senior person, a supervisor, a manager, someone in a position of authority, typically, and that doesn't have to mean actual authority, that means daily authority that people really look up to and people see as go-to people in the organization. That's where you should start until you get traction, until you get traction in the process, and then start to shift this to everybody in the team that gets a chance to get up and, and walk the team through the process and the metrics of the day. So what that would look like is it's going to be a 15-minute meeting, gather the team around the board at 6 a.m. If that's your, when your first shift start time is, you're going to talk about the safety delivery, quality, productivity. You're going to talk about those things and you're going to talk about where you are, where you were yesterday, what was done, where you're at for the week, and you're going to take actions. 
you want to make sure to have what we call a rail running action item list. What a rail is, it's simply a place where you write down commitments and owners and due dates for what needs to be done. So if we have an issue in a cell that says, hey, this machine guarding that we just talked about, I noticed in my cell last night or yesterday a broken machine guard, and that puts us at additional risk of having an injury or an incident, I'm going to raise that up. I'm going to raise my hand and say, hey, we have a machine guarding issue over in the lathe area of the cell. And we're going to say, oh, okay, let's take an action here. Let's put it on the rail. That rail is going to be on this four by six whiteboard in that work area where the work happens. And it's going to say, hey, broken machine guard in the lathe area. And Johnny brought that up. And we're going to assign an owner to that. And that could be a safety person, a facilities person. It needs to be somebody within that group that's at that meeting in the morning because otherwise it'll get minimized and swept under the rug and likely not get completed quickly. And it needs to be completed quickly because it's a safety concern. So what is the issue? When is the due date? Should be immediately today because it's a high priority issue. Who owns it? Who's at that meeting is going to take ownership and not let go of that string until it's solved? And when will it be done, right? It's going to be done today. From a simplicity standpoint on this board, we want to make it a few things. Again, extremely simple to understand that somebody could do a drive-by on this board and say, oh, wow, I get it. I see what's going on in that cell. And I understand if things are going well, if they're not going well, if they're good or bad. And I can see that there are things happening, actions being taken to improve things that maybe don't look so good. And that's important. It's important to have that confidence level in the organization not only with our employees in the, in the team that are participating in this on a daily basis, doing the work and having the direct accountability, it's also important for leadership and others and other cells to walk by to say, okay, I see how that cell's doing. Maybe I can go help them. It's, a, it's an opportunity to share progress across your entire business, up, across, and down the organization. So the next thing is you want to make it very visual. You just don't want to have a bunch of papers up there with eight-point font that no one's going to look at and read that's printed out. I highly suggest you make this a manual process. Make it templates that you put up on the board in a plastic sleeve behind a plexiglass sleeve or something laminated and use a dry erase marker so you can go up to this, wipe off yesterday's update right on today's update. So it's updated almost instantly in just a couple of minutes. You're not looking for a printer. You're not trying to print stuff out. You're not trying to figure out, oh, I don't have any paper. You're trying to use this accountability system board and process to affect change in the organization. You're not using it to try to have pretty printouts. It takes too much time. They'll get overlooked and people will stop doing them. Very manual laminated or plexiglass sheets that you can write on and erase very quickly with the performance, the targets, the gaps, the rail. Very simple across safety, delivery, quality, and productivity. Now that you have this specific process in place and you've come up with your specific metrics and your specific process of tracking and goals, you want to take this and absolutely do what we call or do what I call a copy exact. And what that means is you're going to take this process and board and you're going to replicate it as it is exactly. And you're going to put one of these four by six magnetic whiteboards in every single cell in your building. And then you're going to allow those teams to look at that structure 
and to make any adjustments that are nuanced for their teams. So if it's a different type of product, if it's an electronic product as opposed to a mechanical product, they can make tweaks to the metrics, tweaks to the goals, tweaks to the expectations and, and how that's tracked. It needs to be able to be customized for that team and tailored for that team. It's very critical that that happens. Because that's where true ownership really occurs. When folks within a work area, within that cell, have a say. When they can come in, go to this board, walk through the business of their cell, have input, raise their hand, provide an objection or an issue, their voice is heard, an action is taken, it's captured and followed through on and completed appropriately. That's accountability. That's where people feel empowered. And that's where you're going to begin to see breakthrough performance in your MRO. Engagement of the team is a critical element. And this accountability process enables the folks in the shop to be engaged with what's going on. So critical, so important, and so simple, quite frankly. So don't let something so simple get overlooked in your organization. Don't wait for all the lights to be on green before you go through the intersection. It's okay to put something up and have it be kind of a hot mess. Hey folks, hey team, we are working through some changes here. We're going to take a couple dry runs, a couple iterations, gather folks around, ask them for their input and advice, ask them what they deem is important. It's going to bring them into the into the problem so they can help with the solution. And when you do that, you're going to get a much better result and you're going to not wait for all the lights to be on green for everything to be perfect. Because if you do, you'll never go anywhere. If you wait for all the lights to be on green, you'll never set foot in the intersection. You'll be paralyzed by it and you'll find every reason to not move forward. Hot mess or not, get it out there, start exercising the muscle, get input. And if it takes a week or two weeks or three weeks or two days, it takes what it takes. Constantly make those incremental improvements every day to make it better. And then you're going to wake up in a month and be an overnight success and having impact on your business and accountability that's never been there before and results that are going to absolutely shock you and bring a lot of credit on this organization that you're in and the folks, most importantly, the folks that make it happen. That's going to wrap it up for today's episode and step two of the process. Next week, we'll dive into step three, which is centered around our customers and how to manage our customer expectations when you're going through a recovery of your MRO or you're struggling a bit with performance and how to handle those customers appropriately and how to turn them into raving fans of yours. If you need more help and assistance, I highly recommend you go to MROleaderguide.com and download the MRO Leaders Guide that we're talking about in these first four episodes of the podcast. It'll give you some examples and pictures that we're not able to share here on the podcast. And it'll be something you can put in your hands to share with your team about ways to make this process work effectively. Also, head over to my website at aerospaceleader.com and you can check out the resources we have there, links that you will find helpful and other things that can help you not only in an MRO career, but in your aerospace career as well. Also looking for your feedback? Drop me a line at Stephen at aerospaceleader.com. Join me on my free Facebook group for aerospace leaders and professionals at aerospacefb for facebook.com, aerospacefb.com. 
And that's a place we can gather and talk about these types of issues, get feedback and work through them together as aerospace professionals in the unique environment in which we operate on a daily basis. We'll see you next week. Have a good one.